0: Seen pictures of of small Paul, right?
1: Oh my God! Yes, <laughs> small Paul. Small Paul.
0: Have you not heard that <laughs> the, before? The
1: spawn of tall Paul. <laughs> the
0: spawn of of tall Paul. Yes, that's correct. I love um, it
1: so much. Have you not heard
0: us say that before? No, I have. Oh, that, I, I love that's, it. I've been exclusively referring to him as small, small Paul, Paul for I don't even know how long. Yeah, for a, um, since conception. Yes, yeah, well, yeah, pretty much <laughs> since conception. Um. Yeah, no, he's fantastic. So the pictures. precious. He I the, the, you know, I mean, okay, here's the thing, I'll be honest, some newborn babies are not that cute. Sorry.
1: That's not. That's not not true.
0: Sorry. Okay. <laughs> but I mean, but it's a baby. Like you're not going to walk up to a baby and say, "Oh, it's like No, no you're not going to do that. We
1: are genetically predisposed to think that they're cute
0: correct no matter how ugly they objectively are right right Right. it's it's
1: it's, we don't eat (laughs) (laughs) it's evolutionary it's an evolutionary process that baby oh (laughs) man
0: that's um uh eating babies okay yeah that's 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 one way for us to get started um cool Rachel. Yeah. Hi. Hi, hi Joe. Um, how are you doing? I'm good. Good. Thanks for being here. We're here for uh, Westside Chats, mm-hmm. Westside Yoga podcast, sitting down with Rachel Tondro, one of our dear friends, first of all, known Rachel for a long time. Um, I'm going to ask you to Obviously, introduce yourself in a second. You got to talk a little bit about your connection to Corey and some of the some of the story because there's maybe some names withheld to protect, uh, sure. you know, the innocent Anonymity. and the guilty, absolutely, <laughs> the innocent and the guilty. But yeah. <laughs> um, you know, a lot of uh, a a lot of good stuff for mm. a lot of good connection, good stuff for us to talk about, absolutely. Um, Thanks for being here.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: So first thing uh, I'm going to do, if you could introduce yourself a little bit. I think a lot of people who are listening have probably taken class with you before. Chances are they may know you from the old days that I'm referring to. Mm. So can we hear a little bit about Rachel, please?
1: I'm Rachel. I have been teaching yoga since 2016, since the end of 2016. So if I were to do the math on that, that's like seven years. I have been practicing yoga for longer than that. Uh, I found yoga in 2010, and I uh, had zero interest in any kind of physical movement practice prior to yoga. I didn't care about exercise. I would go to my primary care doctor once a year, and they would ask me the question do you exercise? And I would laugh. I would think like, what a ridiculous, silly question. I just never found any joy in physically exerting my body mm. in that way. And then when I found yoga, I really loved it. And I didn't exactly know why at first, but over the years, I started to feel the fundamental difference between yoga and exercise as I have come to understand it in our you know, modern capitalist society. And I think that something that yoga does really well is grant you so much autonomy in how you wish to practice. You know, if you're told to run track, then you probably have to follow the goals and the desires of whoever's coaching you. And I think that yoga is unique in that it provides each individual practitioner with a foundation. Um, You know, I, I always look at asana like the context. You know, it's just the context through which we're going to see ourselves today. And I have found that to be incredibly healing and helpful and just developing a relationship with myself, my spirit, and my body. So yoga is the top tier of any kind of movement modality, in my opinion.
0: Bees knees. Mm-hmm. Bees wow. knees for sure. That was beautiful. Thank, Thank you, you for sharing that. I like what you just said there. Asana is a way to kind of greet your body for the day.
1: Mm, absolutely.
0: Part of the point of the podcast, right, is to kind of take a journey through the chakras, through the people that we have on, the context of our lives at the current time, how it relates to that particular chakra. And so kind of checking in with your body at the beginning of the day through that, mm. right, it kind of tells you where you're at with those energy centers in your body, right? What's feeling open? What's feeling closed? What's not flowing? What is flowing? Mm. Um, That's beautiful. Thanks for sharing that.
1: Yeah, you're welcome.
0: Yeah. The first thing that I want to do, like we uh, spoke about before we started recording, like I just said, we take a journey through the chakras. We are on our second episode for this season, and this is sacral chakra. So can you give us a little intro on sacral chakra?
1: Absolutely. So the sacral chakra is our second chakra. It is located above the root chakra between our navel and perineum. Right, So it's mm-hmm. essentially located in our loins. Yes. Um. And what I love about that is that this chakra is not just about sexual energy, but also about creativity. Mm-hmm. And that is the place of the womb. It's the place mm-hmm. where fertile females are growing, creating life. Mm-hmm. And it comes from this space as well. So something about that is really beautiful and poetic yeah. to me. And the sacral chakra... Located where it is, and let me back up a little bit, because Mm -hmm. all chakras function in this way. I like to describe it a little bit like spinning plates. Okay. So each chakra is like a spinning plate, and -hmm. it could be spinning incredibly fast, or it could be stuck, spinning slowly, sluggishly, or it could have a nice kind of rhythm. Mm -hmm. And so depending on whether that energy is frenetic or if it's stagnant, could could depend on what kind of blockage we might experience. So if we're feeling stagnation in the sacral chakra, then we might be feeling really tight in our hips, right, mm-hmm. right there where the sacral chakra is. We might also have some digestive issues, mm-hmm. some some blockages down mm-hmm. there, and also um, some. When I think about the female, just some sexually, um, gosh, how do I how do I phrase this? Um, challenges. Right. Like, um,
0: no no euphemisms here. Okay. We're, we're, we're we're on it. We're honest on this. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, Sure. Like, you know,
1: like, uh, any kind of, um, you know, the vagina is an ecosystem and sometimes things can get a little bit, um, out of whack, like out of whack. Yeah. Thank you for that. And so there's several different kinds of things you might experience in that area that, Mm -hmm lets you know things are not quite right. Sure, Things like bacterial vaginosis, things like UTIs, (laughs) right? (laughs) All All, the fun stuff. All the fun stuff. Yeah. Yeah, Absolutely. And so I would say that some of that stuff is probably related to blockages in that chakra. Mm -hmm. So if I'm feeling rather stuck uh, in my sacral chakra, I might experience some of that. And then on the other end of the spectrum, if my chakra is out of balance, it could be that I have too much energy in mm-hmm. this area. And so now I'm thinking about the opposite of being constipated, mm-hmm. right? Diarrhea. Sure. Also... Feeling hypermobility. We talked about tightness in the hips. You could mm-hmm. also be hypermobile, which mm-hmm. in its own right can be damaging and, and, and really challenging to, to manage. Mm-hmm. And so all of this is sort of physical, um, manifestations of an energetic body. Mm-hmm. And so any person could experience any one of these physical symptoms or not at all. And then if they're not experiencing the physical symptoms, then they're probably feeling the energetic symptoms, right? Right. And that might just feel not necessarily located near your sacrum, mm-hmm. but somewhere in your body, you're feeling stuck. You're feeling yeah. unable to express either sexually or creatively, or maybe you're expressing a little too much creatively and mm-hmm. it's, it's not resonating with you in an honest way.
0: Yeah.
1: I, I see those things happening in terms of sacral energy.
0: Okay. Question for you. Yes. You talked about if it's out of balance, that can you know manifest as tightness in the body. Mm. Is that specific to the sacral chakra or does that tend to be true of other chakras as well?
1: Definitely. Definitely yeah. true okay. of other chakras and definitely true that you could experience tightness in any part of your body sure. because of any chakra.
0: Interesting. We talk in yoga a lot about our hips and if you sit in a class and teacher says is there anything anyone wants to focus on today it's usually usually one of two things if it's not hips i guess what maybe shoulders shoulders Um, or back back yeah Yeah. back is so Mm non-specific i know you you know (laughs) but um no it's and and hips you know when you think of it that way and as a center for for all those kinds of energy right creative sexual movement energy Mm. right you kind of start to think about how injecting that movement into your life can maybe help start to unlock that. Absolutely, um, I've had for a long, long time, I actually, I always forget which hip it is. And mm. it's kind of crazy that I can't like It's like my brain doesn't want to remember which hip it is that I have an issue with. But specifically when I go into pigeon in class, one of my hips, I think it's my right hip. I just did it the other day and I I tried to like specifically point out I think it's my right hip. But of course I've forgotten. Mm. When I go into pigeon in that right hip, it hurts I get to a point where it hurts in a way that I am like on the verge of tears. Mm. And it is, it just feels, I'm almost, I'm almost like tearing up thinking about it. It's just so emotional. And I don't know what it is. There's something in there. absolutely. And then when I pop over to the other hip, if it is the left hip, that is the good hip. I'm like, oh, this feels great. But when I go in and try to get it deep and get that sensation, it's not painful. And that same emotion doesn't well up when I get into that. Which is not necessarily specific to sacral chakra, sure. Um, but it, it is an example of hips. And again, right, a lot of times these these instances of tightness or these things that feel really deep. Like if you get into something and it feels emotional, right, something's got to be released. You know, there, yeah. there's something, something's going on. Um, I
1: love what you just mentioned. You mentioned a well of emotion. Yeah. You feel that you're welled with emotion. Yeah. And I, I think that that is directly related to mm-hmm. creativity.
0: Yeah,
1: I think that creativity comes from emotion.
0: You know, why do we need it,
1: right? Mm -hmm. Why is creativity important? Mm -hmm. And it's because we are feeling beings in this world. And maybe creativity is not, important to somebody we're not necessarily like walking through our day and through our life thinking about walt whitman's poetry but Mm -hmm. (laughs) when does it become important when our emotion becomes overwhelming yeah and then creativity is no longer luxurious or or um ridiculous it's vital Mm -hmm. to our survival it becomes sustenance so if i'm feeling something enormous then i might be wondering has anybody else ever felt this way yeah And I'm going to go seek art. Yeah. So that I can find myself. Yeah. And I can find my humanity and Mm -hmm. others deep emotion having been expressed already.
0: It helps you process uh, big feelings. Yeah. Big emotions, right? Yeah. Um, I don't know. You think about like a really historical and amazing work of art. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, you think like Mona Lisa, the Sistine Chapel, you know, take your pick, right? Whatever yeah. image in something your head. That something has that you, You've time. experienced, or see, the Grand Canyon, yeah. right? You know, a lot of times people do get emotional when they see those things for the first time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they might not necessarily know why. And mm-hmm. it's that piece of art and it happens with music too mm. it's helping you process something absolutely. there's an episode of bluey right now that i literally cannot watch because if i hear the music i up it comes yep. i just the tears are coming and there's nothing i can do about it and i absolutely love it it feels amazing but it is just every single time without fail and it's the i can't remember if it's bedtime or, or Story time or sleepy time, something like that. People who know the episode know what I'm talking yeah. about. Yeah, um, it, it's it's a touchy one. So you're saying a lot of really nice things about creativity. I love it. Can you give us a little bit of expansion on your creative background? Um, Absolutely. There's a lot. Uh, yeah, and it's I'd love to hear more. I know a little bit. I haven't gotten an update from you personally in a while. So take us through a, a history of Rachel, the yeah. creator.
1: I think I'll start with. My mother. Okay. My mother is an opera singer and a musician.
0: I did not know that.
1: Yeah. And so when I was growing up, I would join her at her rehearsals. Mm -hmm. And so I would be a baby or a toddler or some small child sitting in an empty audience, looking up at a stage and watching this gorgeous art being made. Yeah. You know, I would listen to the orchestra warming up to this day it stirs my soul mm-hmm. to hear an orchestra warming up. I, I iPhone needs to make an alarm sound that is an orchestra warming up. Yeah. I'm just going to throw that out there now. <laughs> um <laughs> and I was enamored. I was enamored by the space of the theater. I thought that it was sacred. It felt to me like being in church. Mm-hmm. You know, I was I was looking up at the pulpit, up at the stage and I was watching Creation. And I mean, I don't know anything that's godlier than that. Mm -hmm. I wrote my first book when I was seven years old. It was a picture book. (laughs) And I have (sighs) since gone on to write countless songs, poems, stories. I'm a huge writer. I love to write. Words are where I find like the most beauty and joy, I think, out of anything. I love music, and I love sound, and I love dance, and I love movement, and I love to look at art as well. Yeah. But the art that has come from me has always been writing or performing. Mm-hmm. I started acting when I was around 10 years old, and I've done theater ever since. I still continue to do theater to this day, although it looks a little bit different for me now. Sure. Um, there was a period of time in my early 20s that I was acting professionally, all across this region, um, in Boston, in Rhode Island, in the Cape, various cities in Massachusetts. And uh, I even did a little bit of travel across the country for some theater work that I was doing right before the pandemic. Mm-hmm. When the pandemic happened, a lot of theater, maybe all theater, was just shut down. And there was a big question as to what it was going to look like when we came back. Um, I've not been on what I would call a main stage in a main stage production since 2019, since December 2019. uh, I was performing with the Wilbury Group down in Providence, and we did a show called You Got Older. It was really great. I loved everybody I worked with. And then since that time, I have really focused my creativity towards working with youth in -hmm. recovery. So I work for an organization that's called Second Act, and we are a collective of theater artists, of actors and writers and directors and what have you. And we put together education. Our vehicle is theater. We do theater games. We write plays. We make films. And we have educational plays as well that we do for communities. So we'll do them for oh my God, we've done it in New York. We've done it in DC. We did it at the Russell Senate building to promote legislation that was going to provide funding for teens in recovery. And so a lot of that work, I was never drawn to
0: mm-hmm.
1: back when I thought, you know, I want to be an actress. I want to be an actor. Um, but I have found so much joy and inspiration and just it just fills me so much to work with youth in this way. When I was a youth, I had a lot of difficulties. My childhood was pretty traumatic, and I did not know how to be in my body at all. Mm-hmm. Theater was the very first outlet I found where I could be in my body for real, not just in my head. Mm-hmm. You know, in fact, when I was performing, I personally felt separate from the part of my mind that is always thinking and trying to plan or trying to remember or trying to escape. I felt present for the first time in my life. And so to be able to work with youth who have similar, uh, issues that I had when I was a youth and to give them this tool that helped me. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: I mean, I don't know a better way to use my gift of theater acting yeah. performance and I don't know a better way like yeah. this for me is it
0: that's amazing thank you again you you hit on so many things one of the things I, I found interesting about what you're saying and I've been thinking about this a lot lately so many different methods mm. through which you express your creativity writing poetry music acting performing it's a really broad range of things that you do anything visual that you mentioned
1: no I can't draw even a stick figure <laughs> <laughs>
0: okay um well and you know performing to, to some extent is a visual art right oh sure um, yeah but uh I was thinking about this that like there there's some aspects of creativity that just like don't work for me mm. that like i don't really have a connection to it it just doesn't doesn't really speak to me a good example unfortunately is dance yeah from just for me it's i was not a dancer i never did anything remotely related to dance i appreciate dance i love watching dance mm. but everyone knows this course a huge dancing with the stars fan just eats it up can't <laughs> stand it absolutely loves it watched it with her grandmother all the time i have, I have no interest like it's cool i'm yeah. like okay Interesting. Right. Can I, can I go now? <laughs> like, yeah. You know, that's, unfortunately, that's my reaction. Yeah, and I feel um, like that's
1: okay. Yeah, you know, yeah, I think exactly. sometimes. Right. That's,
0: that's kind of what I was getting yeah, at. Yeah, there's you like know.
1: a little shame around what we are capable of or what resonates with us in terms of art. Yeah. And it's like, gosh, like I'm not a singer and like I should, you know, I feel badly about yeah. that. But, you know, if we look at any other skill, mm-hmm. I don't know that there's that much shame associated to it. Like, okay, am I going to be an accountant. No, numbers really don't do it for me. Yeah. And I have no shame about that. Mm-hmm. But if I can't draw, right, mm-hmm. then I get a little embarrassed. Yeah. And so I think that's just interesting that we do that to ourselves. Yeah,
0: it is, right? And and I think, you know, art is art. Um, mm. Everyone appreciate something different or it speaks to them in a different way, right? And like I said before, a lot of times we don't really understand the emotions that either someone is presenting through art or that we are interpreting through art, right? Absolutely. And you can look at something and take away something transcendent, something revolutionary Mm -hmm. about yourself or or experience some emotion that you just didn't really realize was there, I can look at it and say, okay, cool. Right. You know, whatever. Which is why... And the artist can be somewhere in the middle or or think, you know, something on the complete opposite end that like, I hate that. I, I hate how that thing turned out, right? But again, it's like, there's a good West Wing episode about that, that like the National Endowment for the Arts is like classic West Wing. There's like people on both sides making the argument and it's, you know, what's the argument for art? And they're like, are you really gonna support, you know, this obscure piece of art? It's like a person just making some ridiculous art display and they're like, yes, because who are you to judge? Absolutely. What is art or who, you know?
1: Yeah, and in this vein, I I really do believe there's no bad art. Mm -hmm. I think that art is great and beautiful and profound in its, just in yeah. its right, mm-hmm. you know? So this idea that we should only create art if we're good at it, mm-hmm. I just want to just like yeah. dismantle.
0: Well, like everyone has this energy center, right? I mean, when mm-hmm. it, to bring it back to that, everyone has creative energy. Yes. Everyone does. In different amounts, sure. Mm-hmm. In different expressions, in different qualities, quantities. Yeah, all of the above, yeah. sure. But everyone has it.
1: Everyone has it. Everyone Everybody's has it. got different modalities, different channels, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. To the same... C. And this C is this this greater source Mm -hmm. that put us all here. What you and I are doing right now is creative, is creating. Every time I open my mouth to speak, I'm creating. Mm -hmm. I'm taking what I've experienced in the world from my perspective and I'm translating it Mm -hmm. and I'm sharing it with the world. Mm -hmm. And when I open my mouth to speak… No one has put these words together in the same way that I am right now with the same experience that I've had
0: informing these words. No, that's Rachel, creativity. that's not true. AI has already. <laughs> you know, someone's, made an AI, someone's made an AI voice model of Rachel, you, you know. And
1: yeah. they're all, they've already said everything they've I could ever everything. say. <laughs>
0: um, no, I, you know, it's... Um, it is interesting because it, it really is true. It's it, you have to be careful about mm-hmm. what you say and how you judge other, you mm. know, people's expression. Because you know, again, there might be people who might outwardly not really express a lot creatively, right? I don't, I don't want to. Lean on a stereotype too hard. You said accountant before, so yeah, sorry, sorry, the, the sorry, friends. sorry, accountants. Um, I'm sure there's you know great fun-loving accountants out there. I know for a fact actually that there are accountants that are yoga teachers. I've met them. <laughs> but anyways, <laughs> right? The typical stereotype would be that someone who's an accountant maybe is a little bit dull, a little bit boring. That tends to be the media portrayal, right? Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean that that person doesn't enjoy going to comedy shows totally. or doesn't enjoy going to sporting events, which are art to their own extent. hundred um, percent. There's so much we can get into. And on this, this is what I, I think I, about I, art <laughs> and creativity
1: in general is it's much like love. I can yeah. create it and I can receive it. Yeah. So I'm a creative person if I can feel touched by art. Yeah. And I do believe that we all can yeah. as long as we give ourselves an yeah. opportunity to.
0: I think it would be hard for someone to watch like, even if you got the grumpiest person you can think of, right? If you're if you're if you're listening to this right now, like just picture the grumpiest person in your life. You know who they are. Yeah. Don't don't fight it. Just accept it. You know who they are. Just accept the person that popped into your head. Sit them in front of An SNL skit, right? A legitimately funny comedy show, right? Mm. And they're going to react to it. They're going to laugh, right? At some point, the odds are high. And that person is still expressing themselves through art. They're still activating that source of energy. They're giving it an outlet a lot of times, right? And, you know, we talked before about what does it feel like when that's blocked? And, there's some other things that I have in my head that I want to talk about, but blockage is kind of our our door into some some other topics that mm. Rachel and I talked about before the podcast that we think are are important to address. Um, a little bit less positive, but we're going to hold that right there. That's our block. Blockage right is here. right there. You think about art through the ages, right? And neither of us are... I don't know about your educational background to every extent. I'm certainly not a historian, so mm, we'll just... I am
1: certainly not a historian. I, I, I am
0: an avid fan of history. Yeah. put it there. You think about art through the ages, right? And when we had the opportunity as individual societies to express ourselves through art, even when you think to, you know what I'll say, were more basic societies very long ago, mm. right? What we might call more hunter-gatherers, like groups that we would not call as developed. They still had expressions of art mm. all over the place, right? Absolutely. I think cavemen and cave drawings. It's a great example, right? They they are expressing yeah. something creatively, and then you kind of weave that thread all the way through to today, right? And theater is is there a lot, sure. Um,
1: they say theater is the second oldest profession. That's right, yeah. Next to a sex worker, still talking about is the sacral right? chakra. I haven't heard yeah. that before. That's f- come on, that's the first thing we sold. <laughs> <laughs> oh my
0: God. Yeah, it's. No, that's... Uh, I'm not going to argue the point. That's, but to that's great. Go, but go off yeah, of your point off, yeah. of oh history.
1: Um, the Renaissance came directly after industrialization. Yeah. The Renaissance was a response to industrialization. That's right. We turned the world into into industry we developed industry we tore down fields and forests to create room for industry Mm -hmm. this tore into our souls so deeply Mm -hmm. that an entire movement was born and that movement
0: was art yeah it really is so important it's always there humans have always needed to express that Mm -hmm. even when living situations were not ideal Mm -hmm. right no proper form of shelter even or people kind of living these nomadic lifestyles it is still there that it's all you have it's as simple as stories around the campfire right mm. um, and
1: like you said the the drawings of the cavemen yeah. in, the, in the caves you know art began because it was necessary it was yeah, vital to tell a story to meet one another yeah so the creation of language it was necessary or else we would have never been able to communicate mm-hmm. that was a creative endeavor no that was art
0: Yeah. And you think about that. And what always comes to mind for me is that, certainly for me, a lot of times, I feel like I can't express myself, right? Mm. And everyone can think about the ways in which that manifests for themselves. Um, But I always feel when I have the opportunity to express myself in some creative way, or pick up something that I used to do that was creative. Like I used to play guitar all the time, Mm. Um played since I was 12, was a huge part of my life in high school. And it's just post-college, post-Navy, all of that. For whatever reason, it's just not really something I've kept up as much. Mm. But when I get the opportunity to do that, it is so moving. It's a very unique headspace that I get into after Mm. I I sit down and do something like that. Because you really have to just kind of clear your mind and just either play what comes to mind or play something from memory and get into the feeling of it. And, you know, I don't know if everyone plays that way, but it's what I do. No, um, I, I love that. Ev- everyone has that sensation yep. of needing to do something, even if it is the accountant that outwardly doesn't appear to have that drive, but still has some, you know, the aspect of creativity that they enjoy consuming. And, and that's enough for them. It's Absolutely. everyone has that. Mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah.
1: And I think about art, like the process, right? Mm-hmm. It's part fairy dust and part hard work. <laughs> I don't remember who said this, but yeah. a quote I came across a few years ago that I, I love so much is, I know no other way to my art than to work at it like a worker on the railroad. Yeah, And I think of Elizabeth Gilbert who says, you know, when I'm writing, a lot of it is just me pulling myself along. Along, along, along is she, mm-hmm. she equates it. She has this book, Big Magic. It's all about creative living. Mm-hmm. One of my absolute favorite books of all time. Um, Big Magic by Elizabeth Gilbert. And she describes her process as like slogging her baggage to the airport gate. She's like in the airport and she's like a, all this heavy shit that she's carrying to her gate. Mm-hmm. And then she talks about those little like moving walkways. Yeah. Yeah. So she's like, I still got my baggage and I'm still got a long way to walk, but now I feel like something is helping me. Mm-hmm. Something is propelling me forward and it's bigger than me. I don't know where it comes from. Yeah, That's flow. That's the flow you're describing. That's the genius that we all have somewhere hidden within us, some treasure hidden within us. And finding an outlet To access that genius, to access that creativity is going to require you making space in your life. Mm -hmm. So when we are inundated with the culture, with work, with responsibilities, with obligations, we're tired. Mm -hmm. We have no way to express our art and it comes out in other ways.
0: Absolutely. You have to find a way to express it. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. Even if that expression is through consumption. Right. Totally.
1: Creativity doesn't ask you to make anything. It just asks you to feel. Yeah. And if you can feel, then you can follow your love mm-hmm. yeah. and your feeling. Yeah. And it's going to lead you to art. It's yeah. going to lead you to something, you know? Mm-hmm.
0: And the other side of that, right? Kind of the other side of the chakra for sexual energy, right? Very much the same type of thing. The same concept applies, right? Mm-hmm. Um, not being able to express yourself adequately, sexually, If you've experienced that, it can be a very frustrating experience. Mm. It's very confusing. It's, again, as said before, right? Big feelings, big emotions, Mm. right? Those can be really big ones. Um, And a lot of times processing it can look very similar to kind of the creative expression. can look like art. And a lot of times art obviously does resemble sex. It resembles... It, it resembles everything about sex and sexual acts and a lot of times that is intentional and there's purpose behind that
1: yeah I also think the connective tissue there is vulnerability yeah it requires vulnerability mm-hmm. to be sexual yeah. and it requires vulnerability to make art mm-hmm. and then the other connective tissue there is that sex in our species between uh fertile, male and a fertile mm-hmm. female with a uterus is mm-hmm.
0: going to lead to creation. A baby. Yeah. Procreation. Yeah. You know?
1: So, it's all connected.
0: <laughs> yeah. Exactly. It all comes back to everyone has the ability to create. And I shouldn't say that. There's plenty of people who struggle with that, have something going on. so mm-hmm. I'll, I'll And they'll
1: create out, something but... else. And that's what's so beautiful about right. this world is that, there's and I still think believing for, for creative yeah. people is that you are not responsible for creating all the art in the world. And you're not responsible for creating any. Yeah. All you have to do is open your heart and your mind and have a little willingness to feel and be vulnerable Mm -hmm. and you might be shocked at what Mm -hmm. comes through you there are so many times i have sat down to write a poem and i'm like so stuck i'm like why bother i have nothing good to say and then i tell myself it doesn't matter Mm -hmm. say something and so i will and then something beautiful will come out yeah and i didn't know it was there it's not like I heard it in my head, I knew it was there, and then I put it on paper. The paper and the pen in my hand helps to create the words that will come from me. Yeah. You know?
0: I've thought about this a lot. How we think about creativity and the way in which it manifests can be really challenging. I've struggled with this, where for whatever reason in my head, I separate between creativity and work, mm-hmm. right? When I was in my consulting job, right, I would have to do things that were creative, right? At the end of the day, you're trying to tell a story and reach a conclusion or present an option, right? And you have to back up how you got there. So it's it's storytelling and there's multiple ways to do it. So mm. you have to get creative and figure out which route you want to take. And a lot of times I would struggle with that because I didn't like the work. I didn't want to do it. I just, yeah, <laughs> I just that's didn't honest. want to. And so I would struggle a lot with being creative in that aspect. Now that I'm working myself and and on this path, what I've realized is that I still have to find a way to break down that barrier that I have in my brain between work and creativity. Because, you know, now that I'm working for myself, I set my schedule, I determine everything I'm going to do in a given day. And I have to think about what are the things that I need to do? What are some of the problems that I'm facing? And a lot of times to solve those problems, I have to get creative. And one of the things that I've noticed recently is I've been in this bad habit recently of staying up very, very late at night. really not healthy. Luckily, I can kind of take advantage and sleep in a little bit. Shout out to Corey for picking up the slack for me a little <laughs> best bit. Wife the, <laughs> best wife ever. Best <laughs> wife ever. i picking up the slack a little bit for me in the mornings. But one of the things that I've noticed is that, you know, I'll be like playing video games or reading a book or, you know, just kind of doing something. And, you know, I'll kind of be thinking about things going on in my day or things going on in the businesses, whatever. And, you know, I won't really have any like revelatory crazy ideas or anything. But as soon as I, uh, Put down whatever I'm doing and go put my head down on the pillow and just close my eyes and tell myself, okay, mm. clear your mind and go to sleep. Hmm. As soon as I do that, something goes off right. in my head. And then I'm like, shit, I have to get up and go, yeah, and go write made something. Space. I have to go write something down now. And it just pops in there. And yeah. a lot, of, and that's happened a lot where I'm like, I think of something and I'm like, oh my. God, I'm like that is a great idea, and then it turns into me like texting someone at 2 a.m. and th- <laughs> then I look like a psychopath. But, but that's the thing is like creative expression is. I think we try to nail down. Oh yeah, what creative expression is? You're trying to say we really try we to just, bottle just, it. Do, we want to, but not just bottle it, but bottle everything about it. When it happens, how it happens, what turns it on, what turns mm-hmm, it off. Mm-hmm. You literally just want to just put it in a bottle and. We try to put it in a bottle by recognizing and defining and saying, Mm -hmm. oh, this is how to do it or following something we see on Instagram or whatever. When at the end of the day, maybe you do have control over it and there's ways to develop that. I know that there Mm -hmm. are plenty of books out there. Julia Cameron, The Artist's Way, right? is a great morning pages. If you're someone who's trying to write, is a great place to start. But for a lot of people, it's a very difficult Mm -hmm. thing to even get into.
1: Absolutely, And I think... When we try to approach something like source, yeah, you know, creative source, genius, whatever you want to call it, mm-hmm. we try to approach it like it's something tangible. Mm-hmm. We try to put it into this box that you're describing. Yeah. Yeah. And that's very much our culture. What's the algorithm that's yeah. going to get me the right answer every time? Mm-hmm. But we are talking about something ancient and magical Mm -hmm. and it cannot be bottled and any one of the methods that you could read about any approach that you could take will not get you to your source every single time on the dot it just won't happen creativity is meant to come and go Mm -hmm. and there's this other idea that ideas themselves are sentient Mm -hmm. and they roam the planet yeah. and they pop into my head yeah. and i either turn it into something real through the act of creation yeah. or it leaves me and it goes to you mm-hmm. and you'll either do something with it to make it real or you won't and so it will leave you and it will go to them and there's phenomena like that all over you know like there were more than one person on the planet who defined evolution yeah we say it's charles darwin but he was only the most famous one all over the planet, there were different scientists, different people who were coming up with these same ideas at the same time. Absolutely. Like what is to account for that yeah. other than there is a larger source we pull from?
0: And what is an idea other than a fact of yeah. nature waiting to be it's discovered? Raw right? energy. It's It's just something sitting there that you identify it and right. name it.
1: I think about beauty like that. I think about love like that. Yeah. This stuff permeates the air we yeah. breathe. Yeah. And I can choose it or I could be so distracted with Mm. my life that I can't see any of the magic that's all around me. I mean, how is it that we can still laugh in the world that we live in? How is it that we can still love and create and make babies in the world that we live in? Because this stuff permeates the air. Small Paul. Small Paul. Small Paul.
0: Something you said, it really does take It takes two, right? If ideas really are kind of floating around, right, and they can pop into your head, they can pop into my head. I've had this experience a lot lately, just kind of collaborating and brainstorming where someone says something or I'm trying to think of something and then someone and they say it and I'm, and I snap my, I'm like, that's it, keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going. And I'm like, I'm recognizing that this is something really good or I was trying Mm. to think of something similar and then it came out, right? And when you think of sacral chakra, creativity, sexuality, it takes two, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, there's plenty of sexual things you can do on your own if for you're sure. so inclined, tell, for sure. Tell me all about it. Um, no. <laughs> but at the end of the day, if you're using that sexual energy for creation, which is at the end of the day, the intended purpose, it takes two.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, and then, you know, or, in addition you know, to what...
0: E, e, sorry, even if that sexual energy is not being expressed for the sake of creation, it still takes two to express that.
1: And it's still creative. Because still it goes creative. back to what we said earlier, yeah. is that you don't have to make anything. Right?
0: It's creative because someone is expressing it, and someone is experiencing it. Absolutely. Someone's consuming it. There's Absolutely. give and there's take. On both, you know, mm-hmm. you're simultaneously generating and, and, way, and giving, give, giving. And in this way, art takes
1: limitless formation. Yeah. Because I can write a poem... And that's going to be meaningful to me. And then you can read it and it will be meaningful to you in a different way. You will see something different when you read it. And so will the next person and Mm -hmm. the next reader and the next one. And so if there's art that makes its way across the planet, Mm -hmm. it takes shape in innumerable ways. Exactly. Mm -hmm.
0: And you think as well, right? I I think it's important to call out that things that we might not typically think of as art are art. Mm -hmm. You think of design. You Mm -hmm. think of architecture is a great example. I was thinking of giving the example of like, oh, design for like technology and cell phones and all that, but I have a (laughs) (laughs) I'm not going to say that because I have another good example of why I shouldn't say that. (laughs) But, you know, you think of architecture, right? And it Mm. it is, it's design with a purpose and design has to have purpose for it to be effective. And at the end of the day, architecture can be a form of artistic expression because there's a way to weave in something that might not be purely practical um mm-hmm. into the design of a building or a room but is there for the sake of art but doesn't get in the way of its functionality and so again it's like there's just so many different ways in which creativity can mm-hmm. manifest at the end of absolutely the
1: day. and why do we have it you know it's yeah. it's so that we can delight delight mm-hmm. is crucial
0: yeah
1: or else why would we keep making babies mm-hmm. why would yeah. we continue yeah
0: why do we, why, do why would we keep, i get
1: out of bed today why do if, we
0: keep putting on shows
1: right if i don't have delight yeah if i am not delighted by what i see by what i feel and to your point yeah anything can be creative i think of the yoga classes i teach as art
0: absolutely you know and i yeah. think
1: about this idea of source yeah. my best yoga classes are when i feel that i am tapping into that flow into that source that's greater than me mm-hmm. and then suddenly words are pouring forth from me that I didn't think of. They're just there for me to grab right out of the air. It's and flowing. Give. Flowing. Yeah. So yeah. I feel that I become a conduit for a greater source. Yeah. And on my best days. Yeah. You know, and it can't happen every day. And I can't expect it to show up every day. And if I treated my art that way, if I told my, my genius, my creativity, you better show up on time. I don't think it wants to yeah. listen. It's like, you're not my no. authority. Yeah, I am greater than you. Watch yeah. me show up never. Yeah. well, you know? And that's
0: kind of what I was saying before is like, it's going to just come and go. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like you don't have no control it over it. So it I think what I've discovered myself recently, and maybe people are going to listen to this and say like, oh, of course, Joe, like <laughs> we all knew that, but it can be really difficult. If you have to try to exert creative energy into something that, you don't want to put energy into or is not your creation or, or you have some sort of fundamental internal conflict with, right? Mm-hmm. It can be exerting that kind of mental energy creatively can be extremely exhausting, right? Totally. And I think a great example of that is just burnout. People who are in jobs that they don't really like or are really stressful for whatever reason, mm-hmm. extra emotions coming from a ignorant boss, whatever the case is, right? Same thing. Exerting that energy that way can be really draining. And so when we are then trying to express our creativity for ourselves or for others, or exert our sexuality for ourselves or for others, it can be a really difficult thing. And so it's not so much identifying what makes you creative. It's preparing the spaces in your life to allow you to be creative. Yeah, right? make space. And, and if you notice trends, right? Like, okay, I'm noticing at 2 a.m. I just get this rush of solutions to problems that I have, and I'm, or at least things that I want to try. And so, if that's a trend, and I'm going to try to do that, great. I'll make an adjustment. I'll have a pen and paper by the bed mm-hmm. and do that. But that's the thing is, I want to take advantage of those opportunities, but also make sure that. I am making space in the rest of my life and making sure that, you know, I've seen a lot of stuff on social media recently about identifying energy vampires in your life, Mm, which I kind of hate that term, but it makes a lot of sense, right? To identify what are those areas that are kind of sucking out that creative energy so that when you want to try to call on it, you want to try to make the space for it to appear, Mm -hmm. you can actually do so.
1: I agree. I think that control is a creativity killer. And I think that when we try to curate perfect conditions, that that can be a type of control rather than noticing what is organic and honoring that. Mm-hmm. You know, one way that anybody can do this, doing what you're doing is figuring out what time of day you feel most creative, most in touch with that source and save that time for yourself. Yeah. Don't schedule work during that time. Don't sleep during that time, right? Just give it to yourself. And then maybe that works for a few weeks. And then maybe it doesn't. And then, okay, now my this is no longer my time. So, I have to continue to pay attention. So, mindfulness is a huge part of creativity because if we can be mindful, if we can sense time, if we can sense feeling, just follow your heart. Mm -hmm. Follow your heart. That's the path. There's no one path. Just what Mm -hmm. delights you, what inspires you, Mm -hmm. go after it.
0: Yeah, I'm curious for you as someone who is an actor, who's doing things right now, what are some of the ways in which you notice that when you have to perform, right, Mm. and you kind of have to call on that creativity to some extent and and just kind of call on it in the moment. If the show is scheduled for 2.30 on a Sunday and you're not really feeling it, it doesn't really matter, right? Right. Um, Show goes on, baby. Show goes on. Um, How do you as someone who is creative both in their professional life and in their personal life. What does that look like for you? Is that is there a big struggle there? Is there a way that you're able to kind of get yourself in that space so that it's not too creatively taxing? You can call on that energy later. What does that look like for, yeah, for you? Yeah, uh,
1: that's a great question. Um, for me, when I get on stage, before the lights come up, I feel my feet on the floor I feel myself breathe and I get myself very focused on being in my body rather than being on stage. Yeah. The other thing I do is listen, 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 because the trap that an actor can fall into is trying to repeat something that was magical before. Mm-hmm. You know, I had this moment, I said this line in this very specific way and it, man, did I nail it. And so yeah. tomorrow I come back and I try to do that again.
0: Yeah.
1: It won't work. Because what created the magic in the first place was organic. So I cannot control it Mm -hmm. to make it happen a second time. Mm -hmm. What I can do is approach today the way that I approached last time, which might have just been by letting go, Mm -hmm. by listening to the person I'm in the scene with so that I can respond in an honest way. It's like mindfulness. I do the same thing when I'm in the room. Sometimes I start a yoga class and I think, oh my God, I am so tired. I taught so many yoga classes this week. I have nothing to say. Yeah, And if I really, really, really try to be profound and good at what I'm doing, it's probably not going to be that authentic and people are going to feel that. But if I let go of this idea that I have to be good Mm -hmm. and I let myself be in the room, then the source might find me. Yeah, It also might not. We might just have a bad day, (laughs) but that's okay.
0: Yeah you know, if we maybe want to open that door a little bit, Mm. um, you said about being on stage, right? Mm. Like some days it's just not going to be there, right? Either it's not going to be there or the way that you perform something one day is going to be different from the way that you perform it in the next performance. And that's okay, right? Creativity is expressing itself in a different way that day, right? Maybe there's something about the character you're realizing or, or whatever the case is. But a lot of times when we can't make that expression Addiction comes into play a a lot of times.
1: I also think that if I'm having trouble accessing my emotion, Mm -hmm. something that people will do, if you've seen it before, is they'll drink, something I did. Drink to access emotion. If I drink, then I'm going to get to turn off the part of my brain that stops me from feeling, right? So that might be the gateway. And then it can turn, I think, definitely towards addiction. Or... The substance use or whatever you could be addicted to, whether that be yeah. gambling, sex, work, alcohol, drugs, anything at all. Yeah. That could be an outlet for feeling overwhelmed in life. You know, my emotions overwhelm yeah. me or my, my obligations overwhelm me and I must escape consciousness yeah. to feel freedom. Mm-hmm. And then you do that enough times and your whole brain and body are going to respond and change. And now you become
0: addicted. You're exactly right. A lot of times getting into addiction or getting into something that resembles addiction, right? Because, you know, we think addiction, we think drugs. It's not just drugs. It can be sex addictions, gambling addictions, like you said. Social media. I mean, any sort of thing, right? It takes a lot of energy, it takes a lot of energy to invest in an addiction. so It to really speak, does. Right? Rachel and I both have our own experiences with substance abuse addictions <laughs> to alcohol buddies over here yeah. to some extent. <laughs> um, but it, it can manifest in other ways for sure. But it takes energy. A lot of times it can be trying to get rid of some excess emotion or some excess energy or not understanding how to process a big emotion like we talked about before, right? And there's just so many different ways that that can manifest. Unfortunately, we don't have Caitlin today, who'd be a great person to speak on a more professional level about this topic. At least for me, you might have some more professional background, like what you talked about before with the um, Mm -hmm. Second Act. That was the name of it, right?
1: Yeah, Second Act is an organization I work with, with people in recovery. And I also teach yoga and meditation at Heron Wellness, which is an addiction recovery facility in Seekonk, Mass. Mm -hmm. And I love what you said is that addiction requires energy. And something I remember a conversation I had with a young gentleman at Heron a couple years ago. He was expressing to me his fear that he would never be able to accomplish anything because mm-hmm. he never has. And I reminded him that he became incredibly accomplished at drinking. Like you're really you you <laughs> put a lot into it. Yeah. You have drive. You drove yourself here. Yeah. <laughs> All you gotta do is take your drive, your commitment to your desire and transfer that to another thing,
0: Yeah, you know? Well, and it's like, you know, you said before, your brain's not an algorithm. It's not a computer at the end of the day. You cannot control necessarily when it's going to give you what you want, right? You you just don't have control over that. But because of that, your brain doesn't know what to do with certain things. Sure. And And when it doesn't know what to do, Hey, let's let's pound that bottle. Let's, yeah, you know, because let's, let's drink a little bit. It's a re- it's um, reliable outcome. It's yeah. So exactly. if I'm
1: uncertain about anything, yep. then I'm going to turn to what I understand. Yep. And if I understand that when I drink a bottle of wine, my brain turns off, then I'm going to go there. It's a reliable outcome.
0: Yeah, it's stability. Yeah, right. And I know there's a lot of other aspects that get into why some people are more prone to addiction than others. There's Mm -hmm. plenty of childhood backgrounds, genetic, you know, plenty of other things. But, you know, from a creative perspective, you know, someone who's struggled with addiction to some extent and has also struggled with expressing creativity. To me, it certainly feels interconnected. And again, everyone has their different Amplitudes, right? Like some people just feel more. Mm-hmm. Um, their tendency towards something addictive is stronger than the next person, right? And again, there's there's aspects to that that are out of their control. It's mm. physical, can't control it, born with it, right? Totally.
1: But I feel it, lucky. Yeah, to I tell you the truth. I,
0: I know, right? You know, we had a friend recently um, who passed away. We don't have all the details yet, but it seems to be that it was an overdose likely tied to fentanyl this is a couple days old and it's you know i've been thinking a lot about this and how to how to grapple with that and i've been trying to think Mm. about it from the perspective of sacral chakra and expressing creativity and my own struggles with addiction and what i did to get out of it and this person was an addict for a long time but was then clean and sober for a very long time right around our age and had apparently started using again recently and you know ended up in a situation ended up overdosing when i was trying to think about this from the sacral chakra perspective you know addiction it, it's a form of creativity almost mm. to some extent it's like a it's
1: a way to express pain
0: it's a way to express pain cover it up um i I know for me a lot of times my alcohol use was to kind of ignore the current situation going on around me to sort of inebriate myself enough that i was in a headspace where i could just kind of ignore the real world or my real circumstances and just be in the world i wanted to be and watch the tv show i wanted to watch or you know just kind of do what i wanted to do you know, and I think about uh, that same energy, right? I said before we started recording, I do still drink now. I was sober for a little bit over a year, a couple years back, and I'll drink every once in a while now. But honest to God, I have one or two beers and I feel hungover <laughs> the next day, and I'm like this, like my body doesn't feel good. Yeah, I don't know, maybe that's the thirty year old coming. Could out. be. I, don't know, could I haven't be. had a
1: drink since I was twenty six. Well, there you go. <laughs> so,
0: um, but you know what I mean? It's yeah, like that. I do. That's it's your your you still are expressing that energy. You're popping that vent, you know? Yeah. And I look back now and I'm like, I think I've found good ways to channel that energy mm-hmm. now and I know it's still there and there's always still that potential that I could really let it slide. Mm-hmm. Um, And, you know, as someone who's been sober that long now, right? I'm sure you have the same sensation, have the same yeah. emotion. I have a, um, a
1: lot of thoughts about this yeah. topic. Um, but I think the first thing I want to say is that I'm so sorry for your loss. Oh, thank you. Truly. Um, yeah. I myself have lost some friends to overdose, and some people in my community yep. to overdose, and it's devastating. It's completely devastating.
0: It is not the first, unfortunately. Yeah. It is the, it's been a little while since we've had one. One of Corey's childhood friends. So I knew her for a long time. She was a good friend. Mm-hmm. Um. But yeah, if if anyone's listening around this time, you see Corey, try to give her a hug if you yeah. can. She needs some help right now. I think um, I as understand- as does the family, but.
1: I think the next really important thing to mention anytime overdose comes up is that overdose is a failure of treatment and it's not failure of an individual. And I think that when we have so much stigma connected to substance use disorder, that we can look at overdose like the failure of the individual or we can look at relapse like the failure of the individual. But I look at it like cancer, you know, when a person has a recurrence of cancer we recognize that the treatment fails or we recognize that we need different treatment or more treatment. Mm-hmm. And that's true about substance use disorder too. And the unfortunate reality is that an outcome of substance use disorder is death. And if the treatment doesn't work, that is where some of us end up. And one of the huge, huge, huge driving factors behind what I do is trying to prevent death from substance use yeah. through providing creative outlets. Yeah. And I've worked with this organization since 2014. Wow! In 2014, I was still in active addiction. I was at a point where I related to the work we were doing because my sister was in active addiction too. So at that time in my life, my sister was missing as far as I knew. Mm -hmm. My family and I had not seen her in a couple years. So I was doing this work from the perspective of a person who loved someone with substance use disorder and I did not understand it myself and I didn't understand it in myself. And then doing this creative work helped me get closer to who I was, helped me to see what was happening in my life. And then I was able to identify as a person who struggled with substances. I was then able to approach recovery. Mm-hmm. And for me, it's looked like abstinence because if I touch even one drink, I, I just don't know where I'll go. This is the kind of drinker that I was, was mm-hmm. I could walk into a room and say, I'm only going to have one. But halfway through that one, I became someone else.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: There's this idea that sp- Spirits, we call alcohol spirits, right? Yeah. Um. There's this idea that are you gonna when, are you gonna
0: give me flashbacks to AA meetings and the, the Good Book and all I that? Might. Oh my god! <laughs> I don't know if that this is an AA idea, but it could be.
1: So the idea is that um, when we are under the influence of drugs and alcohol, if this isn't an idea, this is actually what happens: sure. your prefrontal cortex goes to sleep. Mm-hmm. The idea is that when that happens, your boundaries, the boundaries of your body are disintegrated. And just like ideas can come into you, so can spirits come yeah. into you. Yeah. And yeah, so yeah, yeah. the personality can shift and change. We see somebody under the influence and there's suddenly someone else. Yeah. You look back at some of the great artists of the world. You look at uh, Eugene O'Neill, the playwright a lot of playwrights, Tennessee yeah. Williams. <laughs> we,
0: we, we were talking, we were talking about this before we started. Yeah. There's a tendency when you see creative people in the media, we would, you know, refer to as celebrities, right, who who tend to be artistic. You know, a, a lot of times that art comes with a lot of fire, a lot of mm. storminess, um, sure. a lot of addiction, a lot of drug abuse, a lot of I guess you could say behavioral issues, right? Yeah. People, you know, a lot of men, and what's dangerous a lot of women about beaters, that, things like that presentation right? I mean, yeah.
1: is that we can begin to take on this idea that we have to be in pain in order to be creative. Yeah, and that's devastating mm-hmm. because that would make me hold my limitations at a value level. I'd say, well, I need my addiction. Because it makes me interesting. It makes me creative. Mm-hmm. Only when I'm drinking can I create. And that was how I felt for some time. Yeah. And so when I stopped drinking, I actually found that alcohol had limited my creativity. I was under the impression that it was helping to bring about my creativity, but I had no idea yeah. because I had never given myself the evidence of what it might look like to create as a sober individual. yeah, And I think that it goes hand in hand because I think deeply feeling people can be incredibly creative. Mm-hmm. I think deeply feeling people can also, because of their deep feelings, want to escape that part yeah. of themselves. And what better way than into a bottle of anything? Pills. Your, po- your poison of choice. Yeah, your yeah. poison of choice. Um,
0: as you were saying that, I kind of realized like I had a specific period in my life where I was I was drinking very heavily. And like, why was I doing it? A lot of times it would be kind of escaping to let my mind be creative so that I could watch like a TV show or play a game or do something where I could connect with the characters or connect with the story or develop my own version of the story or something along those lines. And to this day, what I've realized is that a lot of times that was me trying to visualize or manifest or come up with the story. Mm. And, you know, I was really choosing to kind of apply that to a reality that wasn't real, something I wanted to make in my head as opposed to, you know, trying to use that same visualization in my active life. Mm. Um, And, you know, it was a lot of things were upsetting, made me want to drink and that was the manifestation of it. And now being several years removed from that now, I look back at that and I kind of recognize that's what's up. So now when Mm. I, when I see it in myself that, you know, I am getting kind of frustrated and I'm getting snappy and I'm irritable and, you know, whatever, you know, I realized I have to find some sort of outlet. I need something creative to do. I'm thinking of a story or something's bothering me and I can, you know, write it out or draw about it and, mm. and do something like that. I've been more visual lately. I've yeah. realized, like, I'm I'm remembering, like, if I visualize we have an event coming up like we talked about before. I won't say anything about that right now. But I was visualizing the space as we were talking about it and going over details of it. And I was realizing that I was actually holding on to the details and certain aspects of the conversation that we had a lot better when I visualized the space and how I saw it. Because we would talk about details like it's a yoga event. So we were talking about details like, well, where are people going to be placed? How are they going to be positioned? What is the light going to look like at that time of day? Are we going to have some sort of a stage or a platform or a runway? for a teacher to move throughout the class and going through all this. And I realized like, wow, I'm remembering a lot more of like the details or the decisions that we made through just visualizing. And I say all that, I think, because again, that creativity, it can take many forms. And again, not an expert. I'm, mm-hmm. a, I'm a dummy <laughs> most of the time. To me, it seems that there is a connection between finding a productive outlet for that creative expression And using that as a way to mitigate the potential to turn towards a negative outcome, a drug.
1: Because you transmute energy. Yeah. You know, you transmute emotion. And when I'm feeling overwhelmed by emotion and I take that energy and I create something with it, that shifts into delight, joy, excitement, inspiration, or I might even feel it deeper. but now I have something to pour it into. Yeah, And that is just healing. Yeah.
0: I think it's important to call out as well, right? A lot of what we're saying, we're focused on the creativity side of things. A lot of what we're saying does apply, I think, for the sexual side of things. Yeah, We don't have to get too, too crazy on that side. But if someone's feeling a block in anything that we've talked about thus far, right? Anything that we've said throughout this entire conversation applies to sexual energy, someone's sexual drive, someone's desire to be with someone, right? And a lot of times if someone is struggling and isn't, Mm -hmm. isn't feeling sexual, isn't Mm -hmm. feeling horny, we might say, right? If they're not feeling that, that can also be a symptom of, there's a lot of stress. There's a lot of creative block. Something else is again those energy mm-hmm. vampires. Something is sucking away that energy. And then so many great things we said for creativity, right? It's Procreation, it's giving, it's connection. It takes two people. Mm-hmm. It is giving. You know, sexual. You know, any sexual act is a, is a giving. Absolutely. Act. You know, it can obviously it can be a receiving act, but it's a two way thing. Yeah. And if you're feeling creative blocks, that can manifest in the form of. Not being as attracted to your partner or not having the energy, you're still yeah. attracted to them. But we're talking about finding creative outlets. I mean, if that's the type of block that you're experiencing, I think a lot of the solutions are going to be totally very similar and
1: mm-hmm. control. Like, um, yes, have you ever chased an orgasm, like desperate for it? And you're like, come on, 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 right? Like, you trying to control Can a I be natural honest? creative Can process, I be honest? yes, no, no. <laughs> Well, that's because you're not a woman. <laughs> that's
0: because I'm not a woman. Exactly. That's exactly right. Oh, my God. Oh, man.
1: Yeah. Oh, so funny. sometimes there's like, uh, <laughs> no, but oh, yes, I'm I almost there. Absol- I'm almost there. And then understand. it doesn't happen. And yep. I think part of that is the desperation. Yep. The desperation and the control. Can it happen now? But, it's, a, but than it's also
0: a block, too. It's a block. The thing. It's like I talked about the thing with my hips before, right? Mm-hmm. I got one fucking side that I can't do pigeon on. And it makes me want to fucking cry when I do yeah. it. It's but it's the same thing. It's the same concept. If you're experiencing a block, it can be that same sort of, mm-hmm. it can be a block in your ability to mm-hmm. sexually create yeah. or output.
1: You could experience your creativity and be so afraid of it that you block it. Yeah,
0: exactly. Right. right. You're getting in your own way. You're experiencing a block and it's preventing you from getting to where you want to go. Mm-hmm. Right. It, it, it all comes back to the yeah. same thing, right? And again, the sexuality side of it, it can again be a contributor totally. to addiction. Like, Someone sexually frustrated, I mean, that can absolutely mm-hmm. be it can just build up in the whole mind storm that is, you know, all of the circumstances and the noise and you're trying to get rid of it and it's just voices and you know, mm-hmm. you're just trying to cut through it and that's all creative energy that just doesn't have a place to go and right. and people getting into Sexually questionable activities, right? I mean, it's the same kind of thing as finding an outlet. It's mm-hmm. the same type of outcome. Yeah, yeah. It's all just trying to find an outlet. Mm-hmm. And, and of where course, does it manifest? we are,
1: and that's what all of this is, right? Yeah. Addiction, art, anything. I'm looking for an outlet. I'm yeah. looking to do something with what I feel. Mm-hmm. And if I'm unwilling to feel, then what I'm looking to do is erase myself, erase yeah. and block my feelings further because I cannot and I will not experience them. I do not trust them. Yeah. And then the other side of it is I have these big feelings and although I'm not looking forward to it, I'm going to be vulnerable enough to let them wash over me and wash through me. Mm-hmm. And then if you think about where this chakra is located, right? Right here's my window right right my opening yep where it can either come through me or i can be totally blocked and if nothing can come through me Mm -hmm. then why would it come into me why would it come towards me
0: right i'm blocked right very challenging stuff Mm -hmm. you know so i want to try to talk about things that we can do right um I actually was just reading this article in The Atlantic the other night and I sent it to Sharina, my business partner, also a teacher at the studio. We'll sure have her on the podcast sometime soon. I sent her this article about this monk in Vermont who runs a monastery. The acronym, I believe, is MAPLE and I believe it stands for the Monastic Academy. Those two might be wrong, but I'm pretty sure it's the Monastic Academy for the Preservation of Life on Earth. Wow! And this guy has this Belief that technology in the Industrial Revolution started the decimation of life on Earth. Um, which, Couldn't again, agree more. <laughs> <laughs> I, extremely fatalistic, nihilistic, apply <laughs> what you want to it. I, I'm not going to say I disagree either. Um, it was very interesting, but what he talked about was that, you know, especially with the onset of artificial intelligence, we really have to be careful with how it's developed. He's a Buddhist monk. I want to say he's. I can't remember if the term was ordained. I want to say he was ordained in Zen Buddhism. I I might get that wrong, but we'll put the link in the description for the show. And if you don't have an Atlantic subscription, I'll contact me. I'll find a way for you to read it for free. It's scary, but it's really interesting. He's a Buddhist. And so, you know, believes in the eightfold path and spreading that message and and trying to make sure others are, are following that as well. He has people that will come to the, you know, essentially retreat center to meditate. And then he'll also host retreats for tech companies for mm. employees that work in AI at tech cool. companies. He was literally talking about writing enlightenment into artificial intelligence in the hopes that that means that that AI will protect us one day should other AI want to you know, That's beautiful. Do, and it, I hope he did. It is, works. And it, which for me it's like I nerd out a little bit because like I just rewatched the Matrix series recently, and it's just like I'm like, oh my god, it's like the machines, and we're, playing. you know, all this. But you know, so it's a bit fatalistic of a view, and it's a little bit of a big feeling, a big emotion to think about. It's a scary concept, but. I was reading that and I was like, wow, it really does kind of come back to expression. It comes back to looking inward and tapping in and realizing, you know, we talked about creative expression. And one of the things that I thought of before, but didn't get a chance to say, but that, you know, we don't control when it comes out. right? But the fact that you can just sit there and try to make your mind quiet and then something pops in. You are generating as your natural state. you are creative in your natural yeah, state.
1: Absolutely. when we stop doing yeah. and we allow ourselves to be, yeah. we become creative.
0: And at this point in time, you know there's a lot of language models with AI right now. there's a lot of different revolutions, but you know Chat GPT is the one people think the most yep. of, right? Chat GPT is a language model. It's not going to put anything out unless you put something in. Even then, it's calling on just everything it's read on the internet, essentially, and how people talk to spit something out that sounds like it came from a human, right? But at the end of the day, if you don't prompt it, you don't get anything. Mm. It can't just create an idea. It can't create an own. It can't own. just raise its hand and say, hey, yeah. someone listen to me and listen to this idea like you and I can, which, right. you know, and so this guy talking about this, and I'm like, Man, he's kind of crazy, but it's fascinating. Yeah, it's, it's, it's like I love that's, that. It, it's such a cr- crazy concept.
1: AI tries to connect to consciousness through the human. So we're the middleman. And you're right. AI can't on its own open itself up to that higher consciousness and create from there. It needs human beings and it needs an algorithm, right? And that's not right. what we're using. I saw something on the internet that said the future of AI I imagined wasn't robots making art, people doing labor.
0: Right. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly it. Is it can generate art now, but again, it's not creative in the same yeah. sense because it it's never not, it's not, No, we can no, create. it's not coming. But it's not coming from nothing. Right. And so, coming back to what I was talking about before, right? What do you think people can do who feel like this may be something that they're struggling with? You know, they want to open that sacral chakra. They want mm-hmm. to. Start doing some of that work. What are some of the things that people can do to work on that?
1: I think the number one thing that people can do is to make art. Mm -hmm. Let it be bad. Mm, Let it be what it is. Make it, make it, make it, make it. Keep making it. No one has to see it. Paint your painting. It doesn't have to look good. It doesn't have to look like anything but do it. Practice the skill of creation. Practice the act of creation. Watch yourself become more skilled, Mm -hmm. just like you would with anything else that you worked at.
0: Absolutely. So
1: we said before it's part fairy dust and part hard work yep. so get to the hard work and the fairy dust will come when it comes
0: Yep. and if you're sitting there thinking Rachel I, you just said create and make art that's not specific i don't know what that means i right. don't know what i want to do yeah start with journaling um yeah, if i was going to give great. something if i was going to give something to people i've started doing that in the last few months and it's a practice i'm not good at it i'm not consistent with it but it's a practice yeah. and I'm trying to keep it up. And when I do it, I do feel the benefits of just yeah. doing that. Right. And, and, for people that want to look up like a concept, I know people want to try to find something, some sort of protocol to follow. If you look at the concept of morning pages, I referenced the Julia Cameron The Artist Way book before. Mm-hmm. That concept of morning pages, which is just kind of literally brain vomit for like three pages first thing in the morning. Mm. It is not intended for anyone to read. It is mm-hmm. not intended to be shared in any way. It is for you. It can be complete garbage for folks that are into people like Tim Ferriss and productivity people like that. He talks about this the same way. He's written a ton of books. He writes all the time and he says that you know those morning pages that he writes are for him they are for no one else it can be oh i need to think about this thing i need to do today or oh my mother's really bothering me or wow i'm really worried about x or just goo goo gaga i've got nothing in my brain today everything feels pretty good i mean it can be like it can be anything literally and it, anything. like so if you're sort of trying to think of i feel stuck things don't feel right I'm not being creative. I'm not watching new shows. I'm watching all the same stuff. I'm mm-hmm. I, you know, I want to get back into music, but I'm just not sure where to start, right. Start writing absolutely just start writing.
1: I agree. Start writing without expectations. Yeah. start writing in your journal the same way you just described without expectations. stream of consciousness. Don't even read it. Just let it out, right? Yeah, the same rip way it up. that yeah, throw this, it out. We need to drain our brain in this way, yep, right? Because we all experience our brains being totally fogged up with a million thoughts and memories and ideas and oh that person what are they thinking what are they doing and oh my gosh you know it's just it's constant and that is the nature of the mind and i don't think that there's a way to correct that nature but i do think you can clear your mind and Mm -hmm. there's so many approaches i mean this is why i do power vinyasa yoga because when i go out there and i do this powerful asana physical practice of yoga mm-hmm. it really does clear my head. Yeah, My brain is drained through the sweat right. and then I can come through and feel clearer. Right. So any act, anything that helps you to clear your mind, I think journaling is wonderful. Yeah. I also think just speak, just talk, yeah. say out loud to who you trust or even to yourself in the mirror I yeah. feel stuck.
0: Call someone.
1: Call, Call someone. a friend. Call a friend. Phone you know a what? friend. You know
0: what people don't do? They don't call people
1: they don't call people anymore and And you gotta call people you gotta call Call, like
0: seriously I always get hung up on this I was a military brat I moved around a lot had to change friends all the time right I am not good at keeping up my friendships I'm very bad at it especially you know if someone's not physically in my life it's difficult for me to keep up with them and I always think like oh I'm not gonna call them I haven't talked to them in like two years Mm. like I haven't kept up with them at all call them doesn't matter Call them. Yeah. they want to hear from you. They're going to be happy to hear from they're you. They're be so happy, they're, you know. Or they and, won't, and, and, and you know, it's a two—it's okay. a two-way street. If, mm. You know, they're going to either feel the same way and be like, you know, I feel bad. I should reach out to them. They're going to be so happy that you did it first, so they can just be like, oh my god, it's so good to hear from you. And if they don't react that way and they're like, you haven't reached out to me in two years, okay, maybe, nice. maybe, <laughs> maybe maybe hang up and you call. Play maybe maybe <laughs> hang up and call someone else. Um, yeah, but like, call someone. It's expression. It's sharing. It takes two call someone. It's, it, you know, it, it, it is expression. It's using your voice. You know, it's a different chakra, but you know, if we tie it back to sacral, it is still expression. It, it's creative. Mm-hmm. It, it's using your brain. It's taking some of the, instead of just letting the voices in your head, just run and run and run and run and run and let mm-hmm. that car go on cruise control, right? Take the wheel and, and take control. And steer
1: it. Absolutely. And I think the next thing you can do is to consume art, to, uh, listen to music that makes you come alive, to watch your favorite movies, to go to a museum and mm-hmm. look at the paintings, whatever it is that's going to speak to you, go consume it. We are what we eat. So if you can consume this inspiration, mm-hmm. then you could transmute it into your very own creation. Yeah. The more I, listen to and read and watch the things that inspire me, the more inspired I become.
0: Yeah. And I think the obvious one is do some yoga. Do um, some yoga. Seriously, hip work, things like working up to a frog pose. Mm-hmm. We talked before about doing things like pigeon, even getting into lizard, anything where... Yeah, you know, you're gonna have one leg that is kind of further back on the mat and the other leg, feet kind of in line, the other leg is forward. There's a lot of different variations of that, a lot of different poses that mm. use that structure. You know, any one of those is going to be kind of hip opening. Sure. One that I always like is if you're in kind of like a runner's lunge and then you put your hands down for lizard for people listening, I'm trying to make it descriptive enough. I always like the variation of, you know, if you're trying to do hip opening, kind of dropping whatever back leg you have, mm. whatever leg is forward, right? You put the opposite hand on the ground and then kind of take. Your other hand oh my and gosh. push, I can
1: feel it, yeah, as push you into your hand, kind of open that up, so right? Good. Um,
0: you know, there, I mean, you can always google hip opening stuff, but you know, if you really want to do something, right, reach out to a yoga teacher, right? Any if you go to the studio here, read, you know, just ask any of your teachers, reach out to them on Instagram, ask for their phone number if you want, and just say, Hey, you know, what can I do at home? What can I work on in my own practice to, mm-hmm. you know, kind of open this up? And it does help. We didn't really talk about you know, the benefits of doing physical movement or physical practice to address creative blockages. But that is a huge component, right? And I think people kind of realize that now, right? You know, you see on social media, like mental health walks, right? Mm. It's a great concept. It's getting some of that energy, just some of that stagnant energy out. And it lets you kind of create in the way that you need to create. It lets you focus on your job or get back to whatever you were doing.
1: Makes a lot of sense. If this body is the container for my energy, then i want to clean out the container from time to time yeah. and maybe that means every day yeah. right any kind of movement can shift how we feel right we know this because when we run hard our heart beats fast yeah this is true if we feel sad we can rock we can sway if we feel angry we can squeeze we mm-hmm. can stomp yeah. you know there's movements that can be directly comforting for any kind of emotion or feeling that we might have. And then to jump on what you said about yoga practice, yes, there are certain poses that are going to directly, because the sacral chakra is located where it's located, (laughs) hip opening poses, deep squats, lizard lunges, pigeons, splits, these things are wonderful. But also just the way you approach your movement practice on your mat you get to be creative. Mm -hmm. One of my joys in practice is to feel my body moving and transitioning. When I step forward and breathe in to reach my arms up and then to open myself to warrior two, and I move my front foot that half a centimeter, I'm creating something for my body to express. I'm creating expression through my body. And even though it might not look like art, I'm creating this action, this movement in my body. I say to my students all the time that it's a Mm co-creation. Yoga is a theory. It's a set of rules. It's an ancient prescription that we take in. If I'm the teacher, then I'm translating it through my own mind and body to you who translates it again into your own mind and body, just like art. Somebody wrote a book and I read it. I described it to my friend and then they thought about it. Maybe they read it. But every one of us is having a different experience. We are alone together.
0: Energetic art.
1: Mm.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. Love it.
1: One last little story I want to tell. Oh, yeah, sure. It's a Go for it. A creation story. I met Corey. Gosh, now, how long ago did I meet Corey? Um, yeah, we're
0: going to have to. Um, I think I
1: met her in 2017.
0: Something like that, yeah. Maybe
1: 2018, yeah. but I think it was 2017. And at the time, I was practicing a kind of yoga called booty yoga. And I was doing this at Ritual Sweat Society in Dartmouth. Mm -hmm. And one day in class, I was next to Corey and she said, hey, what is this booty yoga that you do? And I said, oh my God, you have to try it. Why don't you come to this class with me? So she did. That sparked, and we had no way to know that that would be a domino effect that would lead us to West Side Yoga. Mm -hmm. Because Tara Winterhalter, the creator of Ritual Sweat Society, where we were doing booty yoga, opened a second location in Providence. Then she had a baby, could no longer run both locations, and said to her teaching staff, which included Mm -hmm. Corey, Hey, y'all, does anybody want to take over this studio? Want to do this? Yeah. And Corey took it over. Mm -hmm. And through the pandemic, rebranded and turned it into her very own thing, West Side Yoga. Mm-hmm. And now we're sitting on a couch across the street from something that was never, it wasn't the plan. It was just what ended up being created because Corey followed her curiosity, her joy, and her delight. Wow. Cool stuff.
0: None of this was part of the plan. Mm-mm. None of it.
1: None of it. But here we are. But here we and are. And that's what creativity looks like. That's exactly You it. know? This is a quote that I absolutely love. The writer of the book Dr. Zhivago wrote uh, this. Uh, oh, yeah? His name is Boris Pasternak. Okay. No genuine book has a first page. Like The Rustling of the Forest... It is begotten God knows where. And it grows and it rolls, arousing the dense wilds of the forest until suddenly it begins to speak with all the treetops at once.
0: Oh. Wow. Very beautiful. Wow. Well, this has been amazing. Thanks for really thanks have. for coming and sitting down with me. Thank you. We'll make sure that, you know, the links for second act and everything else that you do work with. If people are interested in learning more, we'll have that in the description and everything. Yeah, thank you for sitting down with me. This was awesome. My absolute pleasure. Thanks, Joe. Okay, bye. Bye.